certainly my prayer today that God will minister his word to your hearts and give you great peace in your soul. Over my many years of walking with the Lord and shepherding God's precious people, my heart has been drawn to the book of Isaiah. This prophet has served me well in times of trial in my own life, in suffering, in times of great challenge for me personally in the lives of the churches that I have pastored. So today, like an old friend, I'm going back to the book of Isaiah and I ask you to join me in turning to chapter 46. We'll be looking at Isaiah 46 as well as several supporting texts to see how it is possible to rest in God in confusing and sometimes fearful days. As believers, we are not above human emotions and sometimes very sinful patterns of responding to situations like the coronavirus. It is unsettling and it can be frightening, but as children of the almighty sovereign God, who is also our caring father, we must not panic, but rather look to our God and rest in him. Knowing God should shape how we respond to suffering and to the unknown. Paul gives us an excellent example of this in his writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says that you may grieve as others, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. Paul recognized that grieving over loss, grieving during times of suffering here, the death of loved ones, is a very common human way to deal with things. But that we should never do so in a way that would reflect that we have no hope. The way we respond to things as children of God is very different than those who respond without a knowledge of God. And so I hope as a church family, as children of God, followers of Christ, that we indeed would respond. It is important that we recognize how helpful, practical, and comforting God's word is to us in everyday life. God is concerned with our plans, our strategies for living life, and what we would call simply a functional faith. I would encourage you as I speak this morning, as Jason has shared scriptures already, that you would make note of those, that you would go back and visit those, that you would be faithful to be in the word over these next weeks during this time. There is something about the word of God that does bring, as Paul wrote to the church in Rome, it does bring great comfort to us. The emphasis that I want to make today in speaking to us as a church family is the importance of faith and in particular resting in God. A few summers ago we did a series, just a very brief series in the book of Isaiah and during that time in my study I kind of in my own mind developed a definition of faith and I would like to read that to you. Faith is when we connect the promises of God's word and the truth of his revealed character with the circumstances of our daily life and the weaknesses of our redeemed yet fallen humanity. We sometimes fall prey to putting life in boxes. 
we tend to separate God from everyday life. We tend to place God in our going to church or maybe in a devotional time, but unfortunately, sometimes we do not connect those things. But faith, true biblical faith, faith as Isaiah the prophet calls the people of God to, is a faith that connects the promises of God all throughout the book of Isaiah. God declares certain truths that become promises to his children. He reveals his character over and over again. He calls Israel to the statement, who is like our God? Who is like me? Certainly the idols that they were fashioning in those days and even God's people were falling prey to worshiping those idols. They were not like God. And so faith is connecting the promises of God's word and the truth of his revealed character. We must anchor our souls in the character of our God, in the person of our God, who he has revealed himself to be. That he is a God who can be trusted. And we connect those two great truths, the promises of God's word and his revealed character, with the circumstances of our daily life and the weaknesses of our redeemed yet fallen humanity. It is my prayer today that God will strengthen our faith, that God through that faith would allow us to rest in a time of uncertainty, in a time of turmoil, in an unprecedented event that I have never experienced in my years of life, that we would be able to rest in God and in resting in God, not ignoring the things that we need to do, but resting in God, that we might serve as a great testimony to the wonderful nature of our God. I'd like to take a moment and read Isaiah 46. As I read, I want you to see kind of the interaction that is so prevalent in the book of Isaiah. The interaction of the foolishness of serving idols, the foolishness of bowing to idols, the foolishness of looking to idols for help, for strength, for anything other than God, to look to that for strength. Notice how he contrasts that with God. And then he has certain things that flow out of that to encourage us. Bel, a god, it says, Bel bows down, Nebo stoops, their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They pack these gods up on beasts and they take them with them. They stoop, they bow down together, they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Verse 3, you will note in verses 3, 8, and 12 what I believe are verses that call our attention to God. I think they kind of give the shape and context to this passage. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before, my, before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. 
To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it cannot answer or save him from his trouble. Verse 8, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east and a man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Again, he calls their focus to listen. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Right out of the gate, God calls us for, or calls to us for our attention. Like a parent trying to teach and reassure our child, they, the parent, must have the full undivided attention. I can picture taking a child's face in your hand and looking them right in the eye and making them look in your eye, making sure that they were listening to what you had to say because it was important. You can hear the Almighty, our sovereign Father in the heavens, crying out to his people, listen to me. Listen to me. Remember these things. I trust that indeed we will be able to focus on God. This is a very similar strain that runs through the book of Isaiah. Chapter 40, another text of Scripture that we so often run to in times such as this because of the encouragement that it brings to us. The prophet says, comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He kind of shifts gears here to his personal interaction with the people to just the magnificence of his character that he is the infinite almighty God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket 
and they are accounted as the dust on scales. All the nations are nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness would you compare with him? God calls his people to behold him. Lift it up. One of the ways in which we draw attention for people is to elevate our voice, is to make it come forth with strength. He tells the people of God, go up on a mountain and lift up your voice with strength and cry out, behold your God. It is so extremely important that we learn to focus on God, to look at the events of life through the grid of the Almighty, to know our God and that knowledge of God shape how we respond how our hearts are, that we can indeed rest in this God, even in times of uncertainty. In this book, Isaiah, as I mentioned, he shows the foolishness of worshiping idols. Verse 3, as we begin to look through this text, Listen to me, O house of Jacob. He's going to make four very interesting statements as he concludes this little section in verses 3 and 4, right in the middle of these, the futility of idolatry. He says, I have made, I will bear, I will carry, and will save. I have made. God initiates this relationship with his people. Psalm 100, a very familiar psalm, particularly at Thanksgiving time. It is a psalm of thanks. Know that the Lord, the God of Israel, Jehovah, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now listen to what he says about himself. These are truths revealed about God. The sovereign almighty makes these statements about himself. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God initiates this relationship. God calls us unto himself. God establishes this relationship with him. Isaiah reminds him, I have made. Secondly, I will bear. God patiently with steadfast covenant binding love faithfully bears with his people. This past week, my wife Becky was sharing a verse of Scripture with me and with our family. It's found in Psalm 75. It is so appropriate for our day. It fits so well into what God is telling his people Israel through the prophet Isaiah. The psalmist says this in verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name, your name, your character, your person, 
who you are, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I will appoint, I will judge with equity. Listen carefully to this next statement that he makes. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I, Jehovah God, the Almighty, our Father, it is I who keeps steady its pillars. What an incredible truth that is. God will will mate. He has made us. He will bear with us. He says, I will carry. There's an interesting little play on this word carry in the book of Isaiah and particularly in ours. He talks about the people bearing the burden of these gods. They put them on the burden of beasts or they place them on their shoulders and they carry them. They make them and they carry them to a location. They sit them down. And so this sense of bearing the burden of these gods. But God tells us that he bears us. Look back at verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from your birth and carried from your womb. Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. God bears us. God carries us. God desires that we cast our burdens upon him. Psalm 55, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your anxieties on him. All the anxieties, the cares, we have them. We are human. We are given to the frailty of our humanity. And we do have anxiety. It is only right that we do. But we want to respond in a way that honors God. We want to trust him, rest in him, and cast those anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you and lastly in this little statement here as he concludes verse 4 I will save I will deliver I will give peace I will meet your needs I will save I will intervene underneath are the everlasting arms over and again this theme resounds through the scriptures It is a lifelong commitment. Go back to verses 3 and 4 again. He says, I have born, you've been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and two great hairs, I will carry you. God is ever faithful to us. We recognize that this coronavirus seems to hit the elderly even more so than the rest of the generation because of health issues. If you're older and you're listening to me today, recognize that God does carry us. God is faithful to us from birth until the time we enter into his presence as his children. It is a lifelong commitment. God has called us to himself. He carries us. He never leaves nor forsakes us. 
The Son of God has redeemed us and continually intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit seals us into the great day of eternal redemption, and we shall be forever with Him. What an incredible statement this is that He brings us to. And He simply says, listen to me. Focus on me. Hear what I am saying about myself. Hear what I am saying about my relationship with you. Going down to verse 8. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. Sometimes it is easy to forget the faithfulness of God in days gone by when we are walking through overwhelming times. We tend to set aside how God has faithfully carried us, how God has patiently walked with us, how God has brought us and given us eternal salvation, and how God delivers us in the midst of everyday life circumstances. But the prophet speaking for God says, remember this, And as we remember the former things of old, as we remember the truths that he is getting ready to reveal to us in these next verses, he says, stand firm. Stand firm. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Don't glibly slide over those words because they are critical at times like this. He only is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. It isn't that we are superhuman. It isn't that in our own resources that we have this phenomenal strength. It is when we rest in Him. Pastor Jason preached from 2 Corinthians last week, the God of all comfort and how Paul found such strength and comfort in what God was doing for him, even to the point that he could rejoice that in Paul's weakness, he was made strong, but he was made strong through the grace that was in Christ Jesus. He says, I shall not be shaken. On God, the psalmist continues, on God rests my salvation and my glory. All my hope, all that I could boast in rests upon God. He alone is my salvation. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Times of anxiety and times of being overwhelmed and times of fear. Fear of, are we going to have enough money to live on? What's going to happen with my job? How are we going to survive these things? What's going to take place in our nation? All these various things that just in a very normal way come into our mind. We are to pour out our hearts upon him. We are to cast our cares upon him. We are to rest on him. We rest on him because of who he is, his character. He 
is God. Listen to what he says in verse 9. Look at these words. Allow the significance of it to sink deep into our souls. For I am God, he says. I am God. All that is wrapped up in the word God, he is eternal, he is infinite, he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful. He is the creator of the heaven and the earth, and by a spoken word, the universe came into being. When he makes that statement, there is incredible power in that. It is enough power that we can rest our lives, our hope, our circumstances on him. For I am God, then there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. How does he demonstrate the reality that he is God? He says, declaring, not guessing, not hoping, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Declaring the end from the beginning. These verses have so many times helped me refocus. These verses so many times have given comfort to my heart, not knowing what is ahead, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen next month. If I make this decision, where is it going to lead me? I don't know. I don't know the unknown. Sometimes can be so very frightening and unnerving. But God does know. He declares it. The end from the beginning. Isaiah 57, 15 gives us some insight into the very nature of God. Something that it's impossible really for us to wrap our minds around. For thus says the high, the one who is high and lifted up. Listen to this next phrase. He inhabits eternity. There is nothing from eternity past to eternity future that our God does not know. God has set all these things into motion. God is the one who has made them. God inhabits eternity. It says his name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. Those broken, those humble, those who cry out to God, those who look to God, recognizing their weakness and God's great strength. Isaiah chapter 6 so sets the tone of this great prophecy as the prophet enters into his calling. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Listen to this last phrase. And the whole earth is filled full of his glory. There is nothing that is not touched by the glory of God for the glory of God. Every single thing, he sits in the heavens and he does what he pleases, as Pastor Jason 
read to us a few moments ago. But he is a God. As he does what he pleases, he does it for his glory. He does it for his good. Everything about his character informs what he does. And it's one that can be fully trusted. He is all-knowing. He's not only all-knowing, but he is sovereign and bringing to pass his purpose. It isn't that he's just a God who knows what's going on, but he's a, a God who is sovereignly managing and bringing these things about. He declares these things. Listen to what he says, verse 10, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. God sovereignly purposes things. We don't always know what they are, but we can rest in him. We can trust in him. I will accomplish all that I purpose. He goes into a, a situation where he's going to call a king, Cyrus, to come and, and to, to work on behalf of his people. He says in verse 11, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Oh, my friend, my brother and sister in Christ, if you are listening to this today and do not know the Lord, he is a great and mighty God and God will bring about his purposes and we can rest in that. We can trust in that. Listen to the testimony of a great king of old. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the great kings of one of the greatest world empires as you read in world history. Nebuchadnezzar was one who was full of pride. You look around his kingdom, you can understand that the far-reaching nature of his kingdom and, and the, the great city of Babylon, its gardens and all the wonders of this great city. Nebuchadnezzar felt the hand of God upon his life and God humbled him. At the end of this time, this is the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar about God. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason, you remember he was struck with craziness, he was like a beast in the field, and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever. Listen to his words. This great king who had felt the hand of God and recognized the sovereignty of God that we're talking about, that his purposes will stand. For his dominion, Nebuchadnezzar says, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? That is the testimony of this king, this Gentile heathen king who came to know this great God, our God. God is wise, God is loving, and God only is good. 
His ultimate purpose is found in so many places of the scriptures. Let me read one, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things were created, all things ultimately are designed to bring glory to our God, and he works all things together for our good. He holds all things together. The result? Remember these things, he says, and stand firm. I encourage us as we look to God to have a firmness, as we rest in God to have a peace, to rest in God and not be shaken. I've interacted with many of you by text message this week, and I am just, my heart is moved by the testimony of so many of you resting in God, not shaken by this. Some of you are going through some very difficult circumstances because of what is taking place. God is doing it for his glory. Stand firm. We often sing a song here at Randolph Street as one that I have really grown to love and appreciate and it ministers to my soul. It is a song called, He Will Hold Me Fast. Don't ever forget that truth and stand firm in it. Verse 12, he's coming to the end here. God recognizes the stubbornness of his people. He recognizes our sometimes lack of ability to listen, to focus, to lean on our own understanding, to flee from God and try to put our rest in other things, to allow things in life to move us from the anchor that we have in God. She says, listen to me, you stubborn of heart. <laughs> you who are far from righteousness, I will bring near my righteousness. It is not far off and my salvation will not delay. I will put my salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Don't be stubborn. Don't be slow to hear. During these days, dads, serve your families well. Moms, serve your families well. Kids, learn in childlike faith to simply rest in God. Trust Him. Take the wise counsel of health officials and do the things that we need to do. God has placed them in our lives for purposes. But in the end, it is absolutely essential that we rest in God, that we stand firm in Him. It is my prayer that you will put these scriptures down, that you will revisit them or other portions of scripture that God has brought into your life or just through your daily reading, things that you interact with. God will minister, He will comfort, He will direct, He will help us as He gives us His Word. Isaiah the prophet so often in his prophecies is pointing to that day, that day, that day when these things will be established. But he also deeply desires that we be resting in the Lord for what comes today. Another one of my very favorite portions of scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah is interesting in many, many ways. 
Logically, there is a break beginning in chapter 39 where he kind of goes away from the prophecies toward the nations and toward God's people to looking to what God is going to do. But in the midst of even these prophecies and woes against the nations, there are always little nuggets of hope, these reminders of what God is going to do. Listen to this reminder. As Israel is wondering how they're going to deal with a nation, Assyria, that's coming upon them, and are they going to go to Egypt for help, or how are they going to manage all this? How, is, how are they going to be saved? And God tells them this. Listen to his words. Let it be words that you would hear from God today speaking into your heart. O oh Lord, be gracious to us, for we wait for you. Be our arm every morning. Remember back in Isaiah 40, his arm comes with might, but his, all, his arm also bears us as a shepherd would bring the sheep to his bosom and gently carries us. I love that little phrase, be our arm every morning. Our salvation in the time of trouble. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. Oh, this next phrase. And he, God Almighty, and he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. The knowledge of God. The reverence and respect, the fear of God is a treasure for God's people. Oh, folks, might we treasure these things in our heart and might we find rest in the midst of these tumultuous times as a testimony to the glory and greatness of our God. Our Father, we look to you today, we ask you to continue to minister grace to your people. We know you will. You are faithful in all things. Might we take to heart the scriptures that have been read to us. Might we focus on these things. Father, help us not to lose their focus in, in the strength that they bring to our hearts. Oh God, I pray you would use your word about yourself to be a blessing and a help to your people. In Christ's name and for his glory, amen.